0: Hey, y'all join me in, uh, in prayer once more. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we can be together as your people. I thank you for these that have come to uh, learn and uh, worship and pray in the middle of their week. And I don't know all that's going on in their lives, but I know that there's stuff going on. Uh, all of us have um, worries, burdens on our heart. Um, we also have uh, joys to celebrate, so we thank you for those joys. We thank you for family and friends. We thank you for the family of the church and help us to to give you our burdens and to have faith that you can heal and you can transform and we can not only feel your presence but I, I believe lives can change whenever your people are gathered together and that means lives can change tonight. So as I talk about your church and uh, how you're growing it, uh, I pray that we would see new things in your word, uh, and understand what you are calling us to do. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, thank you all again for being here. You know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day. It's getting warm, but there are many places that you could be. And uh, my wife is at the baseball field, so uh, you could lift up a prayer for Jack. He is, um, uh, he will be, he's playing right now. So, uh, hopefully... Um, he'll have a great game, right? That's what we're praying for. Um, but tonight I want to talk about something that is uh, is important both for you individually and for us as a church. Um, and that is uh, your call, so individually, and then us as a church. So if you've got your Bibles or take a Bible, first, there are a couple places I want you to turn to. First, Ephesians 4. So if you get your Bible, mark Ephesians 4, and while you're at it, if you could also mark Acts 20, which is before Ephesians 4, and if you could also mark 1 Timothy, I know that may be a little bit um, convoluted, but we're going to go to all of them, and uh, I want you to already be there. But Ephesians 4, first off, um, let me ask you all this. How many of y'all think you're a leader? Okay, thank you, Jeremy. Um, And it's not like a cocky thing thinking you're a leader. Because I believe if we're a Christian, we're also a leader. Uh, And I believe if you are, you know, what we call saved, that God has given you gifts to use in the world uh, to, sometimes we say, shepherd uh, God's people. And he has given you these things to go out in the world for him. So, I'm thinking right now, I'm under the auspices that all of you are saved, so therefore, all of you are leaders. Now, you may not know like, how God is calling you to lead. Uh, you may not know your gifts. That is what the church is for. Uh, that is what church staff is for. Uh, myself, Jill, Chris, to help you uh, discover your leadership gifts, uh, whether you're new in the church, whether you've been in a church for 30 years. But I, I, I do believe, I fully believe, that if you have been saved, then you are saved not just for yourself, but you're saved to do something to lead. To lead God's church, which is, we like to say, capital C church, big church, into the world. I love using the example. Um, are you all familiar? I don't want to have to go through the whole story, but are you all familiar with Jesus ascending into heaven? Everybody know what I'm talking about there? Okay. Are y'all familiar with then after Jesus ascended that like all the disciples preached and went really throughout the whole world? Y'all, y'all, y'all tracking with me there? Okay. Now, it's so fascinating to me that uh, these disciples, you know, they, they were like immediately transformed to these global missionaries. A guy like Thomas went to India. Peter ended up in Rome. Uh, the guy who wrote Mark, even though he wasn't one of the 12, he ended up uh, going into Italy, into Egypt, Um, John, you know, there's a story about John, a true story, not just... But John was... uh, uh, They tried to boil John alive, the Romans did, and he survived, and it freaked him out so much they sent him to a Greek island uh, where he had the revelation. Uh, All these disciples, they were turned into these like... I call it, you know, like a Navy SEAL team for Jesus going out into the world, where before the ascension happened... Uh, they were just this ragtag band that uh, had a lot of doubts and had a lot of struggles and didn't really know what they were called to do and really would not call themselves leaders at all. And then something happened that changed their lives. Now, that thing that happened was Jesus, but seeing Jesus as King ascending and the Holy Spirit coming down. And I say that's important, and we're going to see this in Ephesians Because if you are saved, then the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in you, regardless of what we call our sin, some of the sins that we can see explicitly, like um, lying, cheating, stealing, all of that stuff, and then the sins we don't see in our heart, which I like to call, you know, just, hey, God, I want to own my own life, I want to do my own thing. That's sin too. But the Holy Spirit is at work, and He is slowly but surely transforming us into the leader, that he wants us to be. Uh, My hope and prayer for y'all here, my hope and prayer for those not here that call themselves members of Bellwether, my hope and prayer for Christians everywhere is that they continue to discover themselves as leaders. Okay, a little history of Bellwether. Some of y'all that may not know, like Miss Diane, she joined a couple months ago. You know, Bellwether was founded on the premise that there are other people, we need to reach other people. Same premise the disciples had, Acts 2, same premise every church should have. However, we don't want to just reach them. We want to help them become leaders for Christ. So we've like formalized that into a mission statement that we say raising leaders who raise families who raise the kingdom. So, so our, our MO, uh, our DNA, and we're not perfect, but we're growing it and we're shaping it, is to raise leaders. Uh, not by me as this pastor, not by staff, but thankfully God uses us, most of all by the Holy Spirit, to transform y'all. Uh, as leaders for Christ, who will go? Now, how does that happen? Let's look to the Bible, enough of me, uh, more of Scripture. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 7. You know, a thing we've said here at the beginning, kind of a core value, is we say anyone can be a leader for Christ, as I've already talked about that. Anyone can be a leader for Christ. And then you say, well, how? How? And how can, I mean? I'm a, you might say, well, I'm, I'm not type A or I'm an introvert or I've never laid anything. How can someone, anyone be a leader for Christ? Tells us right here, Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I read you that passage, like, okay, how does that say, I know Elizabeth, you're, yeah, I know you're a questioner, you're asking, how does that say that we can be, I know, I can see. you know, how does that say I can be a leader, okay? The key is, it says, when he ascended. And the key is to remember the transformation of the disciples before Jesus ascended, who they were pretty much, again, just a ragtag band, didn't know where they were going, didn't know what they were to do. And he ascended, and then they set the world on fire for Christ. What happened? What, what happened in that time, in that moment, It's a very short period of time? Well, there is, you know, we focus a lot in the church, rightly so, the cross, the death, and the resurrection. And a lot of times we miss the ascension. But we need to remember, Jesus said to the disciples then, to us today, he said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. That I send the Holy Spirit, that has always both uh, fascinated me and bewildered me. That here's, I mean, you would think it'd be better if like Jesus was standing here. It'd be a lot better. I mean, you know, we would definitely listen to him. We'd be around Jesus, and Jesus was around his disciples, and yet he said, "It's better that I go and ascend, so that the Holy Spirit will come to you." The Holy Spirit who comforts, the Holy Spirit who counsels. He comforts us in our grief. He counsels us when we don't know what to do, but he equips us as well with power and with gifts. And this is what the Bible says here. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And sending the Holy Spirit, he was giving, and here's where it gets a little bit like, and I'm not going all Pentecostal, love our Pentecostal brothers, but like supernatural gifts, transforming gifts. And honestly, it's what a lot of Christians miss out on, Sometimes what I have missed out on in my life and what we don't uh, see and don't understand. We don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change us and equip us uh, with gifts. And it goes on for service. It says for the building of the body, the body of Christ is the church. And again, that's capital C church, church everywhere from Jackson, Mississippi to Dubai to India to Honduras to Tupelo to everywhere, but also for local churches. And then Paul names these gifts. Now, I'm not going to, you know, I don't have enough time. He also gets more specific in 1 Corinthians. But he broadly talks about the gifts here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, okay? Now, all of you are at least one of those. Uh, You're probably two. uh, You might be three. You might even be five. You might have all five of those gifts. I lead a Bible study on Wednesday morning, and we were going through those today. And everybody was saying, well, you know, I don't, you know, I got, uh, and we did this test. It was a spiritual test to see what your gifts are. And it's, look, it's not scripture, but I do think that this test helps. And if you're interested in taking the test, I can direct you to it. But it does help locate, I think, to get a sense of where you're gifted. And people were saying, you know, I got a teacher, and I, I'm not a teacher. Or uh, I got an evangelist. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not called to, like, go evangelize. Or I got Pastor shepherd, and I was like, what is this? And the key is really understanding what these gifts are. Uh, I've actually preached about this uh, on a Wednesday night. I think it was a couple months ago, but I want to go over it again. And you kind of have to, kind of really have to know what these gifts mean. So um, I'd ask you to please kind of track with me now, because this is important. This is important for your life, if you consider yourself saved, to begin to kind of understand How am I gifted? How has God wired me? So let me just start first with an apostle. An apostle would be like an overseer, okay? An overseer is one who can oversee uh, a body of work, a team. I may call some of y'all out. You know, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'll do that sometimes. So let me use Will here over here. And I don't know, Will, if you're an apostle, but I know you oversee teams and crews in, in your work. So I would say that God's gifted you with that ability, but then the Holy Spirit can transform that, and I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm using you, I'm picking on you, into an apostolic gift where you can oversee and manage teams and, and be a visionary for multiple things of work. So if, if you have managed teams, if you have overseen groups, that, is, uh, that could very easily be transformed into an apostolic gift. Uh, gift, David Carroll. I think you uh, may have some of that gift too. I don't know, but I'm picking on David. Prophet. Now, some of uh, this morning it was interesting because some of our folks uh, got the prophet and they're like, and you know, females. And this is not. I mean, I'm not. Uh, this is not not politically correct. But there's the word prophetess. It's actually a biblical word. So we're, there was folks who were calling themselves prophets and prophetess, and they're like, you know, what a prophet? You know, how? Am I a prophet? Does that mean I need to go and stand on a street corner and, like, speak and scream? A prophet, that gift is really someone who is very in tune with what is God saying in this situation? What is God doing in this situation? So I've known a lot of non-Christians. Actually, I know many non-Christians, and uh, a lot of them are very spiritually oriented, you know, Um, atheists. Uh, even an atheist can be spiritual oriented because they can believe in you know, some type of created deal. Agnostic, higher power. Uh, then you have Buddhist, other religions. And you know, a prophet is saying, hey, they have this sense, even before they're a Christian, this sense of a spiritual life. And when they are a Christian, a prophet gift is like they're really in tune, again, to what is God saying? What is God doing in the situation? A prophet would be one to say, you know, if all the church were mobilized and ready to go, we're doing this meet the need ministry, you know, trying to feed uh, homes around here. The prophet would reel people back in and say, whoa, 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 before we get ahead of ourselves, you know, is God really in this? Uh, have we prayed about this? Is this, uh, is this what God wants us to do? It calls us back to say, hey, let's be sure we're on the same page as God. It's a, a prophetic gift. It's, it's sensing what God wants And making sure that we are on the same page. So, people who are really, you know, want to go deep in their spiritual life, that doesn't mean they want to go like deep, heady into um, even what Scripture means, but like want to go deep with God, and they really have a, uh, can have, I believe, a a very, um, um, a wonderful prayer life, devotional life, prophet gift. Evangelist. Some folks think evangelist is the folks who go to India or Africa or South America or Honduras or, um, you know, just they're going out to spread the word and evangelize. However, that gift is, is it's really rooted in being very comfortable with both unbelievers and in new situations. Uh, I was talking to Joseph. We were, uh, uh, we were driving to our staff retreat, and I said, you know, a fascinating question for me, and I don't know if you all will track me on this or not, but, you know, it's interesting how the, the, the first 12 disciples uh, in Acts and then beyond, they started going throughout the world, all over the world. Thomas to India, up into Europe. Mary Magdalene, they think she ended up in France. And a fascinating question that I don't know if there's ever been like study on this is I wonder if they had like a desire to travel and go and see and explore before that. Because, you know, you would think if, you know, if they went to these far-flung places, Paul wanted to go to Spain. Did they, like, want to go and want to do, and did they have this curiosity? Did they have this adventurous spirit, or did God just, you know, you know give that to them at a point when uh, the Holy Spirit descended? I don't know the answer. I think it's a fascinating question. But an evangelist gift, uh, it is a gift of saying, I am totally comfortable around a lot of unbelievers, and I can handle myself and uh, comport myself. And I can see openings to share my faith, uh, my belief in Christ, my love of the gospel. And it's just a a comfort in talking and interacting and also a comfort in in going. Uh, Now, it may not be all over the world, but it may be a specific area or uh, region. So it's just this comfort to spread the gospel with, if you're going to spread the gospel with non-believers. Last two, first pastor, or it could be shepherd. Uh, now, pastor, you like, well, John Hugh is the pastor, but there's a pastoral gift, and that is, that's really a nurturing gift. Uh, that's a caring gift. So if you think you might have this gift, I'd ask you to ask yourself, well, you know, am I, am I really worried and concerned about the needs of others day to day? Do I call and check in on a lot of my friends routinely? Uh, you know, do I pick up the phone and I don't know if somebody's going through a hard time, but I sense they might be, so I call and check on them. And if they are, do I meet them for a cup of coffee and make myself available for their needs? If you do that, I would, I would attest it's very likely you could have that pastoral gift. Uh, it's also a mentoring gift, too. Like if you know someone who is um, you know, beginning to grow in their faith, you're going to take time to nurture them. And nurture is not just a, you know, you think about that, and I think of a a mother as a nurturing, it's Mother's Day coming up, uh, as a nurturing figure, but it's also kind of mentoring and coaching and shepherding. There was one guy in our Bible study this morning who got the shepherding gifts, like, man, I just did not think, but I said, he's a big basketball player, and we talk basketball all the time, and he kind of coaches one of our rec teams. I thought, but you're you're a great coach, dude. I mean, I've seen you coaching those teams. That, That doesn't surprise me at all that you have a shepherding gift. So if you're like that, if you like to nurture, if you're you're attracted to mentoring people, then shepherding may be your gift. And teacher, uh, we had several of those who, um, like, you know, I'm not a teacher. They were even saying, you know, you should be a teacher, you know, you, you do that. But teachers are really people who want to understand the why and want to go deep. So, you know, I was talking to Elizabeth, pick on Elizabeth, you know, she, you know, you tell her why, and then she'll say, well, why not? Or and then, you know, why again? And why, and just keep going and going and going. Um, I love Elizabeth. But, and teachers want to understand the why and the how of, of things, how things work, why. And, and, you know, you think about it. If you're going to teach something, you have to understand the why, and you have to understand the how, and you have to really get at the nitty-gritty. So whether it's a Wednesday night or Sunday morning or small group, or if you're listening to a podcast and you keep kind of asking questions, well, you said this, but you know why? And want to go deeper and, and push people, push in a small group. Then I would say that, uh, that you probably uh, could have uh, a teaching gift. Um, now, the key about all these is what Paul continues to talk about down at the end. It says, verse 16, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. See, we need all of these things. We need apostle overseers. need prophets who are saying, what is God saying and doing in this situation? We need teachers who want to say, hey, I want to go deeper. I want to understand more. We need the pastors, shepherds, nurturers, and then we need the folks who are just not afraid to go. And you need all those uh, to build up the church. We need all those here. Uh, that's why a big passion of mine, and you know, we could say we started in this Bible study on Wednesdays, and I felt compelled to teach on it tonight, uh, and we'll be teaching about it more in Bellwether, is really to make a concerted effort to help people discover their gifts. Because when people discover their gifts, then they know, you know where they're to serve, both here at Bellwether or in the world. And they know that, hey, this is what God has called me to do. This is equipped. And I think it's such a wonderful thing. Uh, and it really fires me up when someone is just so sure and is like, man, God has called me to do this. And regardless of the sin that I've done and regardless of the sin that's in me now, I know how God has wired me. I know how God has created me. And I know I can be equipped by the church, not just me, not just staff, but by one another. It's what Paul says, the body, the body equips one another. Just as our body, you know, the arm can't do what the eye can do, and Diane can't do what I can do, and I can't do what Diane does. We need one another, and it's not just a staff deal. It's not just a pastor-preacher deal. It's an everybody deal. But if we just come and, you know, and sit and and receive all the time, then we're not understanding how God has wired us and shaped us, and we can't do what he's called us to do. So it's just important, and, you know, this, y'all... Some of y'all could be at the very beginning of this process of, of learning and discovering how God has wired you and shaped you. But that's a good thing. And, you know, I would like to, uh, uh, I would like to help y'all any way that I can. So, again, you know, the test we did this morning, if any of y'all are interested in doing that, we can make it available. Uh, we're going to be preaching about this more in August. We're kind of doing a series on this. And uh, we want to help y'all discover your gifts. Um, Now, let me be honest, I had a lot more tonight about uh, specific church leadership, uh, like how a church is led as elders, but I think I'm going to save that for a later time, Uh, just seeing who's here, God was really pushing me on focusing on y'all's leadership, so I'm going to stop there, Uh, Chris had to go, his wife is out of town, uh, so he is running kids around, Uh, or Tyler, you're here. We can have some prayer time, but I, want to, I just want to stop there, and I want to make sure that uh, at least what I just said was kind of clear, and if y'all have any questions or even pushback, let's just have kind of, uh, I mean, if y'all are up for it, y'all may not be, a little Q&A uh, discussion on that.